Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I am so glad you are tuning in today. This episode was not planned. So originally, my episode with Audrey Wish, founder of Curious Cardinals, was the prior episode to this one, which was how to support our kids in discovering their passions. Audrey is the founder of Curious Cardinals, which is a company that pairs up K-12 students so our kids, with a passionate college student to support them in discovering their passions and applying that to their education. And that's the foundation of their tutoring services. We have worked with Curious Cardinals with our own kids, and we've had an incredible experience. So I wanted to have her on to talk about how we can, as parents, support our kids in finding their passions and connecting it to their schoolwork. And she did. We had that episode, that conversation. It was really powerful. And I hope that you go in and tune in. And in my experience in getting to know Audrey and interacting with her, I saw firsthand how she was utilizing AI to support her business, to really get to know my kids, to help connect my kids with the best match for a tutor within the Curious Cardinals. And I started asking her questions about it and found out that she was actually giving talks to parents all around the country about AI. I had questions and she had answers. And I thought, you know what? I think other parents have similar questions. So could you come back on? Can we have another conversation just really specific about AI? Because honestly, up until this point, I have had my head in the sand about this new technology. It freaks me out. It feels overwhelming. But the truth is, is that this is going to be a part of our kids' world. The world that they're growing up in is a world where AI is going to be a part of their education, a part of their life, a part of their future career. And so I've got to learn about AI so that I can support my kids in navigating a world where AI exists. Now here's the good news. I came in mostly with fears and a sense of overwhelm and dread. And I left this conversation feeling empowered and like excited about AI (laughs) and the ways in which this is going to be a tool that our kids are going to have access to, to complement and support their education, not take away from their creative thinking and their process of learning. I also discovered ways in which AI might be a tool that can really support the different ways in which we can connect as humans. And even more specifically, how this tool could be really supportive for those of us who are neurodiverse. I am really excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that you find it as supportive as I did. So without further ado, let's dive into the world of AI and how we can support our kids and learn right along with them. 
You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Audrey. Welcome back on the podcast. This is part two of our conversation. And so for those listening, um, Audrey was On the podcast in another episode, we were talking about supporting your kids and finding their passions. And today we're we're taking a a shift, but like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're connected. They probably are. Um, And we're gonna talk about AI. I like so the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is well, one, you've been giving AI talks to parents all around the country. And so this is something that you've obviously spent time looking at and researching and trying to find ways to address questions that parents might have about AI. And also when you and I first met, um, you used AI in our initial consultation. And so that first consultation was a conversation we had through your business, Curious Cardinals, where you interviewed me and about my kids, getting to know me and my kids so that you could match them up with a mentor through Curious Cardinals. That would be a good fit for them. And I know that during the Zoom call, I think it was like you had, there was an AI bot yeah. or something in there that was, I'm guessing, like kind of tracking the conversation, pulling out major themes and kind of outlining what we talked about. Because then when you sent me like a report about like what you heard from me about my kids and what direction you thought would be supportive for them through mentorship tutoring, I could tell that there was like AI support through that. And so I was like, okay, AI isn't all scary, right? Like there's, there's, and it's going to be a part of our world. And I would just love to hear from you yeah. how you are helping explain AI to parents, what this means for the next generation and for our generation and for our kids. And if we could help kind of debunk some myths, but also just answer some like kind of ethical questions we have too, and yeah. some f- concerns, fears we have. Absolutely. Let me first start with my AI journey, because while I am a Stanford stop out and might sound like the very type of person who gets AI and is AI obsessed, I'm actually have a quite different story and past. Um, I was a history major at Stanford. I thought I was pre-law aspirations to be the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I was very tech averse and very tech skeptical, skeptical tech fearful, if anything. Um, My co-founder was an aerospace engineer at Stanford. And so he's always been the one encouraging me to embrace technology more. 
Um, so last one, like last October 2022, when the initial ChatGPT buzz took off, I was not hopping on the AI bandwagon. Fast forward to January of 2023, and one of our advisors, who's a tech executive, called me and said, Audrey, you want to change the future of K-12 education? You've got to hop on the AI bandwagon. And while I'm tech averse, while I can be a tech skeptic, I'm a lifelong learner. I am endlessly curious. And I said, okay, you know what? You're right. I am a little uncomfortable. I'm going to take 15 minutes every day for the next month, and I'm just going to try using it every day and try understanding it and see, can this provide value? How can I use this in my life? How can I understand it as an individual so that I can understand the potential to help impact our business? And so, as I said, 15 minutes every day, I just started playing around with ChatGPT, trying different prompts, thinking of different things in my life that I needed help with, and I started understanding it. It started as a month, 15 minutes a day. Three months later, I am an entrepreneur. I work like 12 to 16 hour days. That's another discussion in itself. I use it every hour of my working day. It changed my life. It not only changed my productivity, my output professionally, but we've always had this vision at Curious Cardinals to personalize learning at scale. And this starry-eyed vision that has felt a little bit more a dream than a potential reality. And when I began to leverage AI, I realized, oh my God, that starry-eyed vision feels so much more attainable because the technology is there to make it come to fruition. So since kind of since then, I've I've been really passionate about encouraging others to embrace mm-hmm. it, confront it, especially women, especially working moms who have so much on their plate. And I see how this can be a tool for them to leverage. And so since this past fall, I've been teaching workshops to parents on how to use AI all over the country, how to use AI to optimize productivity and how, to, how AI will change the future of K-12 education. So I can get wow. into some of the lessons and specifics I think that really resonate, but Please, I feel yeah. like it's important for us to start with my journey because yeah. you're not, every, everyone's not alone. I was there and I've been there and I'm not some like crazy tech enthusiast. <laughs> Okay. I appreciate the context, but yes, please give us, give us the lessons and like what, how can parents be embracing AI? Yeah. So first of all is confronting it. I recommend start playing around, trying to understand it. And first of all, artificial intelligence is just that. It's the ability for a computer to think and learn in a way that resembles human logic. Um, One of my favorite analogies is let me tell a story. There's this guy named Nigel, and he was the number one world Scrabble champion. And he was tired of winning all the Scrabble championships. So he was like, I'm going to become the French Scrabble champion. So Nigel went on to memorize the French dictionary inside and out. And he won the French Scrabble championship. Nigel could not actually speak the French language. He just memorized the dictionary inside and out such that he could apply that knowledge to optimize for the Scrabble letters he got chosen and win the championship. Yeah. That's what AI is like, at least right now. It's memorized the dictionary inside and out. It can be leveraged to optimize for those cards you have, kind of what you've been shared, but it can't actually speak the language. So um, I think that's an interesting analogy. Helped me kind of understand how to think about AI. It's kind yeah. of magical capacities because most humans yeah. cannot memorize a dictionary inside out. But at right. the same time, it's robotic limitations, yeah. and that 
AI is human. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so that's kind of one thing I love. And then I share various lessons in ways to leverage AI. So I'll share first lesson and an application to try it out. And then we can keep going as long or as short as you think is helpful. Um, but my first and favorite lesson to share with people is treat AI like your coachable sidekick, not your servant. I see Mm -hmm. so often People go on ChatGPT or Claude or Bar. These are just different AI engines like a Google or a Bing AI version for anyone out there who's confused. And they type a question or they say, help me do this or can you write this? And they're like, I don't like it. This sounds like a robot, like not for me. And they, they X out. And if you are managing someone or you are being managed by someone, when in the world would you ever expect a manager to just give up on an employee? Mm. Like that's the point when you give feedback and you say, great first draft, this sounds a little bit too robotic for me. Can you try again? Mm -hmm. And so the more people can think about leveraging it like their coachable sidekick and a tool, not just like some robot in a silo that's their servant and has no Mm -hmm. training potential, the better they can find value. So I share that lesson and then I tell people to go to their email inbox, find an email they've been putting on snooze, maybe a longer than most email and ask it to reply to the email and give an instruction. Say, please reply in a kind tone, a receptive tone, a transparent tone with the goal of defining next steps and action items from here and see what it gives you. And it might totally got drop the plot. It might think that you're the receiver or the recipient. Like right. it might say something that's super robotic, but that's where try giving it feedback and see how it performs. So that's one of my favorite lessons. And I think when people realize they can coach it, it kind of mm-hmm. opens the door for possibility of realizing how helpful it can be to optimize your productivity and really be a tool to help you professionally. Yeah. So one, uh, this is really interesting because I think that one of the concerns that I have that I'm sure you and I will touch on now or, or here at some point is my my worry that, okay, when I stare at a blank screen, right, like this email, I stare at a blank screen and I have to come up with words and a response and consider things like my tone and, um, yeah, just the creative <laughs> – input and then output that that occurs through the that writing process it uses it flexes different parts of my brain and i think that there's a part of me that worries if we have this tool that that part of our brain is is not going to get flexed as much right and like what will that mean for the next generation what will that mean for our kids what will that mean for our world, right? I get, I get, I think I, I then jump pretty quickly to like to worry. Yeah. But what you're describing here is still a creative process and a mm-hmm. flexing of your brain's muscles. Yeah. And and I actually had a, a client recently who uses Chat GPT a lot. Um, share with me, and this particular individual is neurodivergent and was was sharing with me how like how much having this, as you're describing, sidekick, and it sounds like this person is using it as a sidekick, right, and that they're coaching, and just just to not have to stare at a blank screen, just to have something something show up that did come from them, right, in terms of how they coached the chat GPT to get to, like, say, an outline, right, 
can support them then in getting their thoughts out, right? Yeah. And um, and then in having a jumping off place. And and when they described this to me, I was like, oh, that okay, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I started thinking about one of my kids who has expressive um, processing challenges, and yeah. huh, like I actually wonder how this might be supportive. Whereas I think initially I was thinking how this is this is going to keep keep them keep us from activating using um, continuing to tone certain muscles yeah. or parts of our brain. You know, um, so I don't know, that, what are your thoughts? that leads perfectly to lesson two and three. But okay. I'll, that, I'll share. I have ADHD. I didn't know I had ADHD K through 12 when I was at Stanford. I found out when I started managing people and running a company. And yeah. 100%, it's so helpful as a tool for people whose minds work differently. Um, one of my yeah. favorite ways is I'm a big walker and talker. And it's often I'm kind of my most generative with ideas and creativity when I'm walking but that can be hard to like walk and take notes, which I have done. Um, and so I will use Otter AI, which is an AI tool that transcribes calls or conversations. And I'll go on work walks and I'll just say, do you mind if I'm recording us? And then the output from that meeting is actually so much more accessible. I'll put the transcript in Claude or ChatGBT and say, please summarize the key problems we observed, the opportunities we address and next steps from here. And suddenly I have a deliverable that might have taken me an hour, otherwise distinct of the walk to draft up. I have, I've just kind of recorded my whole walk. So that's, there's so many ways I would say, especially neurodivergent learners, adults, students, all of it can benefit and figure out how to tailor to help their learning needs. But lesson two and three, um, lesson three is treat AI as your starting point or, um, treat AI as your starting point. It is not your end-to-end solution. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is I think of using AI as my sidekick, either for idea generation or idea refinement and polishing. Mm-hmm. I'm an ideas girl. I have like no shortage of ideas. So I actually less often need it for the generation part. I struggle with brevity. So I'm more needed to help with refinement and polishing. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. for example, I... I won't use it to write my blog post, but I might write a blog post and say, please make this more polished and succinct, or please tell me what you think are the two takeaways from here and kind of use it like I would have a peer editing friend. And so that's one thing where I I never use it end to end. I never use it to complete a deliverable from start to finish. I use it maybe to help get me off the ground or help me kind of bring to the finish line. Lesson two is the more you know where you want to go, the better AI can help you get there. So think of AI like a GPS navigation system. If you just tell it, I want to go somewhere fun, it might take you anywhere from a park to a museum. But if you tell it you want to go to a children's museum park that's kid-friendly and within a 10-mile radius, you'll get a much more precise destination. So what I realized there is it actually requires more specificity of you and more conviction in what you want yeah. effectively. And so often in writing on our own, we don't realize that we're kind of missing the mark. Like yeah. we should start with what's our goal here? What's our objective? What are we trying to accomplish? And it gets lost in the sauce. And so if anything, I often find AI, using AI as a tool requires more of me 
to actually define explicitly up front, like, what am I trying to accomplish here? What do I want to accomplish with this blog post? What do I want to accomplish with this email? And if I myself haven't defined that, AI's not going to be able to help me any better than me requiring myself to have that self-conviction. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Okay, so you're really opening my eyes here and my brain's exploding with like different people in my life and moments, experiences, situations where this might be really supportive. You know, I'm thinking um, like, so for instance, I'm an, I'm an external processor and kind of similar, like I've, I, I find that I generate ideas through connection and conversation and I have to kind of talk out loud through it and, and and then there are there are times when like um, you know someone in my life like my husband might be like you know he's an internal processor and so sometimes like for him it's like wait hold on can we come back to this because I'm still like processing like what but I'm like ah like but this is how I like get to my this is how I like generate my ideas like I need to like I need the conversation and 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 not that. AI would ever replace that human interaction, but um, it would give me, it, it sounds like there is, there really is this element of like, of engagement, right? Of like, it, it outputs something, then I have to sit with it. And then I have to decide and discern what what's working, what's not, what I want more of, what I have to kind of discern, what is this tone that it's giving me? And what is it that I'm actually, something about it feels wrong. How do I describe what it is that I'm actually wanting? Yeah. Which is, are, is not actually how we tend to communicate with each other. Like I know between partners, oftentimes so much gets lost in translation. We assume something. And so then we kind of respond based on how we assume. And so a lot of times in couples therapy, what I'll support couples in doing is slowing down. And like at first it feels really, really tough, right? But there, I'll, I'll, I'll have them. Okay. So when your partner finishes, what I want you to actually say is, here's what I'm hearing you say. Am I getting it right? You know? And I think like so much of, because I have played around now with chat GPT, so much of it is like, is is basically chat GPT asking, am I getting this right? Right? And it's to, it's to kind of yeah. slow down that process. And wow, I'm actually wondering now if this is going to be supportive in us building a new way of communicating where we mm-hmm. – check in about tone where we check in to see like are we getting this right and and wait wait actually no that wait that's not at all what i intended like let me let me try this a different way well and um, so talking about relationships in that way because with humans like what makes us most human is our personalities our emotions our positionality and what someone means to us and so how mm-hmm. we might construe what someone means to us with what they're saying and actually conflate what the message you're trying to get across. And with ChatGPT or Claude, it's, it's like a robot. Like you don't, you're not kind of projecting on, hopefully you're not, you might be. Um, <laughs> but I think I've actually at these workshops had people tell me like, 
you're really good at asking the right questions. You're really good at self-communicating. And I've realized I can't take for granted in teaching these workshops. That is something I'm good at. And I've learned um, I'm someone who's very action-oriented. So often when a friend or um, my boyfriend co-founder is kind of speaking to me, I'm like trying to problem solve. And I realize sometimes people don't want that. So I always say, how would you like me to respond? Do you want a hug? Do you want me to problem solve? Like, how can I be there? Instead of assuming how I can be there for them, sometimes someone doesn't want me to show up in that way. And so I would say interpersonal lessons I've learned like that, like instead of kind of just jumping to action and projecting how I'd want to respond and instead asking someone else are the type of skills that I take with me to leverage AI as a tool most effectively. Yeah. And I think that for some folks, that process of like asking, what do you want? Or, you know, I, I'm thinking about my, my, my partner right now who is an internal processor and also um, neurodivergent and also has expressive, you know, uh, processing challenges, which which makes communication tricky between the two of us because we, we're, we're, our brains work differently, right? Having that understanding and that insight has been so supportive, which is why learning more about ourselves, our backgrounds, our history, our context through the different supportive therapy and other supportive <laughs> processes have been really helpful for us as a couple. But and I know for him, like sometimes he's had so many experiences of saying something and being misunderstood or, um, yeah, having some, yeah, having just somebody hear what he said and like, you know, not, and not just me, but like also like in different work situations at sc- through school, right? That there's like a, there's almost like a, there's an anxiety or a block around it. And I, and, and I actually do wonder, and I'm thinking about one of my kids too, that engaging with chat GPT right? Like as like almost like a form of practice, as a form of like finding even more ways to communicate effectively that get their point across Mm -hmm. could be actually really supportive. Like I was thinking for me as an external processor, having something like that to process different ideas externally with AI, but also as an internal processor because it's not a human, right? Like it's not, it's a sidekick. It's a sidekick that you get to coach and isn't going to judge and like is just there is just there to support without without the human co- connection that can bring illicit anxiety could be supportive too. You're reminding of me of something that I've more and more I've engaged in the space, the more I've read I've been taking away, which is I think if leveraged effectively, AI takes away so much of the fluff, so much of the redundancy that it allows us to be the most human. I'm often questioning what makes AI not human and what makes us human. And I think that leveraging it sufficiently can allow us to do more of what makes us human, do more of those things that aren't redundant, that aren't mindless. And that sounds so wild. I'll share kind of two whys here, things that give me that. One is the framework I always come back to, and this is, I think, great when we think about the ethical frameworks here, is thinking of AI for human amplification, not replacement. This is something I've heard a lot of amazing ethicists in the space talk about that so long as it's amplifying humanity like that is the parameter that is the thesis we have to come back to when it starts to bring into question replacing humanity that's where we must draw the line and so I hope kind of that framework can enter more of the conversation and be something that we turn back to like and ask the question hey is this actually amplifying humanity or is this Mm -hmm. it in a detrimental Mm -hmm. way the second is um I just read 
a great book. It's written by Dr. Fei-Fei Li. It's her autobiography called The Worlds I See. Dr. Fei-Fei Li was one of the leading academia researchers on AI. Um, She was the one who really uncovered the importance and power of big data sets um, Mm -hmm. combined with neural networks to lead to generative AI. Um, Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Um, She deserves a lot more credit and she's an amazing female leader too in the world of AI. Mm -hmm. But it's it's her personal story. Her family emigrated from China. She had a lot of adversity she overcame. She talks about her history with the research, kind of becoming an emerging leader in AI. But when I put down the book, my main takeaway were how the power of relationships in her life Mm. were that teacher who, when she was moved from China to the U.S. and didn't feel so connected, that teacher who believed in her and she built a special relationship with, that um, professor who she did research for, that colleague that she founded AI for All with, like it really felt like a celebration of humanity and a celebration of relationships. And still I took away knowledge and more understanding on how AI works and how it's trained off of how humans think. Um, But it was just this, this wild reminder that I think this technology, when you're so ingratiated it or leveraging it so much, it almost, it kind of forces you to reckon with what makes us human and seek to celebrate that more and Mm. strive for more of that. Oof, okay. I'm going to put everything you just said in my back pocket when I, in moments, as I'm sure they'll still come when I'm feeling nervous about or lost, right? Um, or wanting to give up, right? Um, that's really, really motivating and encouraging. And, and there's still a part of me that, that, that still feels, that still feels nervous in the face of that, right? Like what is that line and how do we know when we've crossed that line and how can I trust that the people with power are going to like, you know, um, hold the line for us? I would say that's the big, yeah, we can trust ourselves with that framework, but it's, Mm. um, perhaps not enough people are thinking about that framework. Mm. And I will say, look, I run an education company. Where I also can get fearful is with kids. Um, I think that AI, if we, this is part of why I'm leading workshops for parents, is I really believe in order to help our kids best embrace this technology, parents and teachers must understand it. Kids are already looking it up. They're already figuring it out and left to their own devices. I don't, I feel a little uneasy. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Yeah. But if parents understand it, if teachers understand it, and we can have thoughtful conversations, we can provide more reasoning, not just ban it in its entirety, but say, hey, you can use AI to help with research, but I really want you guys to learn how to convey your thoughts effectively. Yeah. And so you can't use it to construct your sentences. Like yeah. grounding it in that much specificity again, I think will make kids like, you know what, fair. Like instead of just banning it entirely, that never leads to the right response. Um, So that's something that's kind of like my call to action is the reason, again, running a K through 12 education company, I'm teaching all these workshops to parents and even educators is because I believe we have to start with parents and educators to make sure our kids are in the best hands as we confront this future and this wild innovation. Oh, yes. So something that I did with my 12-year-old recently when I got to a place of being like, okay, this isn't going anywhere, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna embrace. It's very similar to your story. Like, let me, let me get curious about this and spend some time with it, like for my own business, my own work, and, 
and then introduce it to my 12-year-old because this is going to be a part of her world. And so the way that we navigated it is I um, I showed her the app and I like asked it a few of my own questions and showed her what it came up with. And then um, together we came up with something that would be really interesting to her to use a chat GPT with. And um, so for instance, there's two characters on the show Stranger Things that she like really wants to be endgame, you know, like she really wants them to be together. And um, so we asked AI to come up with um, an ending where these two characters fall in love. And um, and so it, it came up with that and it, it like, oh, and for sure grabbed her attention. She was like, you know, eating it up. But then we also kind of explored, I'm like, I'm like, is, is there anything that ChatGPT didn't get right, right? Like a detail about the story or a personality or like kind of not how you would have pictured it or not how you would have said it. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, let's, let's ask it to in- incorporate that. And by the end, like there were still things that were not accurate or not how she would have done it. And that was like a, a good place for us to have a conversation about how, right, it's it's not always going to be factual, right? Like this, if, if this was something that you were going to turn in, like there's like, it's not, it's not the end product, right? Like maybe, and maybe, maybe there are some ways that we could ask chat GPT to help you come up with an outline, right? Or, um, for you to share, share things that are important to you about these characters and, and then support you in coming up with some like generating ideas. So instead of it being a full story, coming up with like some bullet points or some ideas that seem important to you or some theories that might be cool. Right. Um, and then from there, like there you can, pull out what's helpful and now now you have a piece of now you have a screen that's not totally blank but that is still going to just be a jumping off place for all of your ideas right mm-hmm. and and then also had a conversation about you know um which I'd love to kind of maybe just wrap up here with like plagiarism and like what like how do we how do how do we help how do we support our kids in you know um, navigating what this is going to mean i i imagine schools and programs are going to be developed to help educators yeah. decipher between, like, is this AI generated or was this written by the student? And there's a lot out there. What I will say is I think part of why our perspective resonates is it's, right now it's a bit of a binary. There's people out there saying tutor bots are going to take over. We don't need to learn from humans anymore. And maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe it's great for the autodidacts. But honestly, more so what I encourage with leveraging AI in education is kind of educator, mentor, tutor, parent driven, like use it as a tool together, but not really left to their own devices yet, at least depending on maturity and kind of foundational learning level. On the other end of the spectrum is this fear, is this skepticism, is this, this is going to ruin how we learn, this is terrible. And why I think our perspective at Curious Cardinals is resonating is we fall somewhere in the middle. At the end of the day, we are championing one-to-one human connection as the gold standard. Like nothing beats it. Nothing beats how good it feels, how it instills confidence, how it sparks inspiration. Like just, you just can't beat it. But we're leveraging AI and every other part of the learning journey. So up to this point, mentors after every session submit lesson notes. They share what we learned today, what we're doing next time, areas for growth, a parent, a question a parent can ask at the dinner table. We're going to be 
transcribing the sessions and doing AI-generated lesson notes that we ask mentors to edit. And we're going to be able to have amazing insights on kids' learning and development. Like, I can't even imagine insights. We're going to be able to, little Timmy, who is shy, started speaking 30% of the session. Six months into his mentorship, there's a 50-50 parody. We notice Mm -hmm. Joanna has exhibited confidence by speaking more and leading with I more Mm -hmm. and leading with less. There's just, we're, again, we're, we're just launching this feature and we're going to be testing and learning and collaborating with families to see what's most helpful, but it's only going to enrich the human connection time. Um, And so I think, however, we can really champion and bring forth models that say human connection is the best. Like how can we leverage AI to enable more human connection, to enable more creativity, critical thinking, collaboration, that's the direction we should be striving to go down. Wow. Okay. Well, I feel I feel encouraged and I feel excited even like with what you just described oh. um and I see it and I'm now now my brain is also exploding with like what could this mean for therapy, right? And for the support that that enhancing the relationship between the therapist and client and the client's healing and growth and oof. Okay. Well, I this has been a pleasure. To have you. <laughs> yes, this has been a pleasure though to have you on the podcast for these two conversations. If you have not heard our other conversation about supporting your kids and finding their passions, go please go please be sure to go check that out. Um, Curious Cardinals, which Audrey has mentioned now a few times, the mentor tutoring a program that she has founded, um, our family has has utilized and has been just so grateful for the connection that our children have made with these mentors and as part of now our support system for them. Um, Thank you so much. You're doing incredible work out there. I hope that you pause sometimes to really soak it all in and just feel that um, pride for yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm a huge, I've shared a huge fan of yours. And so, so I'm so grateful to be connected, to connected to your kids and really grateful for the conversation we've had today. Thank you for making the space. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.